everyone. Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com, part of Edge Sports. Uh, happy December. We're heading into the week's 13 games, so today I'm going to hit you with my favorite DFS plays for the week. But before we get there, I want to share with you an exclusive offer from Football Outsiders, the innovators of modern football analytics with proprietary metrics you know and love. DVOA and DYAR, they're used by teams and they're great tools for fantasy players as well. So get the most out of your fantasy teams and DFS lineups with an FO Plus package. You can become an outsider today with promo code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide on all of Football Outsiders tools and statistics. Meanwhile, the show is ultra brought to you by Edge Sports, trusted by Super Bowl champions and billion-dollar betting syndicates. Only Edge Sports offers a fully customizable probability engine, interactive matchup models, and spread over under projections. Find your edge today with promo code FANTASY50 and save 50% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY50 to save 50% off site-wide on all of Edge Sports packages, EDJ Sports. Well, with all the, the movement of game timing and everything related to the Ravens and Steelers last Wednesday, I didn't end up with a featured game for this week, so I'm just going to go position by position and starting with quarterbacks. I'll start with probably my favorite DFS quarterback of the season. It's been Justin Herbert, who I see as more than a $1,000 surplus on both DraftKings at FanDuel. He's 6900 and 7900 in the two platforms. I suspect that he's a little bit less expensive this week because he threw just one touchdown against the Bills last week. That's actually the first time he's thrown only one touchdown since his second start of his career back in week three, I believe. But it's actually not as surprising as you might think. Uh, The Bills had an Adir as the 28th DVOA pass defense and 14% booster of passing touchdowns uh, per pass attempt. That was back in week seven. But they've jumped pretty considerably since then to be the 15th DVOA pass defense and now cut passing touchdowns by 16% per pass attempt. So if you just look at their full season numbers, they seem pretty mediocre, but relative to where they were about six weeks ago, it's actually market improvement. And I think they may be trending back toward closer to the exceptional pass defense that we saw them as last season. As such, I'm not too uh, dispirited to see that Herbert had a relatively bad week in fantasy last week. And this week, I expect he'll probably have much better luck playing against the Patriots, who you also may have a, a misconception of how good they are defensively. They're actually 30th in DVOA pass defense, so one of the better matchups in the league. One last point that I'll mention, last week Herbert was on the road. This week he's back at home. I know it's just a, a half of a season, basically, as him as a starter, but he's averaged 4.2 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road. That's the third highest of current uh, NFL starting quarterbacks. And while I'm not going to advocate that you completely buy into that statistic on so small a sample size, that's kind of a, an analytics guy thing, uh, I will mention that it is pretty usual for a player with a, a home dome stadium to show a pretty market home run road split of maybe two or three fantasy points per game. So I think that was probably my expectation, regardless of how Herbert was going to perform over the first eight or so starts of his career. As such, yes, happy to use Herbert uh, facing off against these Patriots again. They still are a big increaser of passing interceptions, the number two increaser there, but number one increaser of passing yards per attempt, number 11 increaser of passing touchdowns per attempt. Next up, we have Matt Ryan. I see him as an $1,100 surplus in DraftKings and $550 in FanDuel. He's noticeably more expensive in FanDuel at $7,400 versus $5,600 in DraftKings. And this is actually contingent upon Julio Jones playing, which I expect him to, but he didn't play last week, so this is something to keep an eye on as we enter the weekend. 
I think I've teased this before, but I actually like formally looked it up to see how it's been going. But so far this season with Julio Jones, Ryan has played eight games, thrown for 314 passing yards per game and 1.75 passing touchdowns per game, which adds up to 20.1 PPR fantasy points per game. Without Julio, he's now up to three games this season, averaging just 216 passing yards, 1.00 passing touchdowns, and 10.4 PPR points per game, almost a 10-point fantasy difference. So yeah, Julio kind of important for this offense, very important for Matt Ryan. So hopefully he'll get him back. Meanwhile, I think probably Ryan is noticeably less expensive, particularly in DraftKings, uh, because of the matchup coming in here. He's facing off against the Saints this week. They're the number two DVOA pass defense. But one thing to consider here is that the Saints are actually also very good against the run. They're number two in DVA run defense. And because they're a quality overall team, they have a tendency to move ahead in games and then run to kill clock, prevent their opponents from running, and then instead have them pass. So they're actually the number three cutter of run plays at about 12%. They're more neutral in pass plays. And while they are a big cutter of passing yards per attempt, they've actually increased passing touchdowns per attempt by about 14%. So I think that this is going to add up to probably a better fantasy day than an actual day for Matt Ryan and the Falcons. They may lose, but that that may actually help Ryan build some, some fantasy production for you in garbage time if Julio plays. So keep an eye on that. Uh, next up, another player that I've traditionally done, uh, kind of relied on matchups with, but Jared Goff. I see him as a mild surplus value in both DraftKings at FanDuel, where he's $58 and $7,200, about a $100 to $300 surplus in that range. He's facing off against the Cardinals. They're 12th in DVA pass defense, so not exactly an easy matchup. But Goff, you know, he's obviously struggled a lot this season, but of late, he's actually had a very difficult slate of passing defense opponents. Uh, he's played the 49ers twice in the last seven weeks, and they're 17th in DVOA pass defense. So on paper, not as good as Cardinals, but, you know, being, I just feel like sometimes they play better than that. It's just, it's really heavily dependent on who they have available for them with all of the, the injuries they've suffered this season. But even ignoring that, uh, Goff has also faced off against the Bears, their third in DVOA pass defense, the Bucks, their second in DVOA pass defense, and the Dolphins, who were 11th, um, but I think probably training a little bit positive as well, a team that I would definitely consider to be a better pass defense than the Cardinals right now. So all of that in the last seven weeks, I think that's contributed to Goff's struggles of late. I think he'll have a little bit better luck probably against the Cardinals. Uh, Goff is playing on the road where for the first couple of years in his career, he showed a pretty market home road split where he played better at home, but that hasn't been as true this season. And it's actually kind of raised, or I guess, uh, equalized his home road splits to be only a 0.4 home road advantage uh, over the last three seasons. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty comfortable using Goff given how inexpensive he is. And I think he's a, maybe one of your less expensive options as you could rely on this week in fantasy. Okay, next up, let's shift over to running backs. David Montgomery, I was a little shocked to see how much uh, more valuable I had him than the fantasy platforms this week. He's just 5500 and 6200 in DraftKings and FanDuel, and so I see him as more than a $2,000 surplus in both. And, I mean, I think I totally get the logic. Uh, the Bears have really struggled to, to run block this season, and Montgomery's had some very inefficient days. But last week he took advantage of a, of a good matchup against the Packers with 143 total yards and a touchdown. And I think he could do the same thing this week at home against the Lions, uh, who are the number four increaser of run plays at about 13% per game. And a big booster of not only yards per carry and touchdowns per carry, top seven in both of those, but also a big increaser of running back receiving yards per target and receiving touchdowns per target, top two in those. 
And for me, that's really the critical point here with Montgomery. He missed the, the, the game a couple of weeks ago, but if you just kind of look at the games that he's played since week four when Tariq Cohen went down for the season, he's at a 13.1% target share. That's seventh highest among running backs. And for me, that makes him a lot safer of an option than you would expect given how he's had some inefficient rushing games. I don't expect him to have an inefficient rushing game this week, and so I think that kind of is the convergence of factors that make him a top five running back in my consideration where he's not priced like that in either DFS platform. Next up, Frank Gore, about a $1,000 surplus in both DraftKings at FanDuel at $4,400 and $5,300, one of your, I guess, lesser expensive options in, uh, in DFS this week. With LaMichael Perrin landing on injured reserve last week, Gore actually ended up taking 21 of the Jets' 25 running back touches, and in particular saw his workload increase as a receiver, which I think is a pretty critical issue for fantasy value for the Jets, who obviously tend to fall behind in games and rely more heavily on the pass than the, than the run. Gore, not traditionally a big receiving back, but you know if he's going to end up catching three or four balls per game because he's the only running back the team is using, then I think that makes him a little bit safer to use. Meanwhile, the upside is pretty significant here at home against the Raiders. I know the Raiders just got upset by the Falcons last week, and I'm sure they're going to be very motivated to win uh, and, and play well even against a team like the Jets that you might otherwise overlook. But I still think there's a, a real opportunity for Gore to produce well here because the, the Raiders have been one of the best matchups for running backs in football this season. They're the number nine increaser of yards per carry, but number one increaser of touchdowns per carry at 74% which is, I think, a factor that combines both their run defense and pass defense. And if the Jets could actually find their way into the red zone a little bit more than usual this game, that may give Gore an opportunity to score a touchdown in ways that he could sometimes struggle to to do against the the more uh, efficient defenses that he's been facing a lot this season. Next up, Austin Eckler. Glad to see him back, and he's back to being a great DFS value. I would say... um, a little bit more so in FanDuel, where he's less expensive than he is in DraftKings, despite their, their sort of different pricing structures, but closer to $1,000 surplus in both systems. Uh, Eckler, in his first game back, saw 16 targets, good for a 31.4% target share, which obviously led the position. Only Antonio Gibson, Naeem Hines, and Derrick Henry joined him above 20%, and again, he was above 30%. And I'm not going to say that Eckler is going to have that kind of workload every week. And I mean, game script could have been involved in that and, and who knows what other factors. But Eckler, I think, is just so much better of a running back option than, than the Chargers have among their other players, most notably rookie Joshua Kelly, who has a negative 35.9% rushing DVOA this season. So I think we've moved beyond that you know, first four weeks of the season trend where we saw Kelly coming close to splitting time with the other Chargers backs, including Eckler. If Eckler is back and healthy, which he seems to be, I think he's going to be getting the lion's share of the Chargers running back touches, which is why I see him as such a good value this week, you know, under that $7,500 range. Getting a little bit less expensive again, Wayne Gallman, $400 surplus in DraftKings at $5,600, $800 and $6,100 in FanDuel. He's at a 49.6% carry share since week eight. That's the 12th highest in football. Devontae Freeman's still going to be out this week, so at least one more week where Gallman is going to be pretty much the feature Giants runner. And the critical issue here is that he had five rushing touchdowns in that stretch, but that's fully supported by 4.82 opportunity adjusted touchdowns. And that latter number is the third highest at the position ahead of only Dal- or behind only Dalvin Cook and Josh Jacobs. I think that's actually a critical issue for for the Giants here on the road in Seattle, where Seattle has obviously been made fun of a lot for their uh, for their defense this season, but that's really all about their pass defense. They have an excellent run defense, top 10, I believe, in DVOA, and that's created a, a marked shift in play calling for their opponents 
um, where they have um, they're allowing five percent more pass plays per game. That's the most in football, and cutting running plays by twenty eight percent, also the most in football. But again, while Seattle is a cutter of, of uh, yards per carry, they're the number two increaser of touchdowns per carry at fifty six percent. So I mean, maybe re- look for the Giants to throw the ball a little bit more. Hopefully, Colt McCoy can do well in that respect. But that could just lead to, to Gallman having touchdown opportunities, something that he's proven he is the back on the Giants that'll be taking advantage of that. So I still think Gallman is a pretty good um, value this week, even though there are aspects of the matchup that I don't necessarily love. Next up at running back, Jonathan Taylor, about a $300 to $500 surplus in DraftKings at FanDuel, $5,700 in the former, $6,400 in the latter, as far as his price tag goes. He had just the 13 carries combined in weeks 9 and 10, which had me a little bit nervous, but jumped back up to 22 in week 11, which was his last start before he ended up having uh, missing week 12 because he was on the COVID reserve list. Since he's already been activated from that, I think it's pretty clear that that week was about close contact and he didn't suffer from the illness himself, which makes me a little bit more optimistic that in week 13, he'll be fully healthy. And given that I'm feeling good about the workload, I'd love to use him in this spot. He's taking advantage, hopefully, of a Texans defense that's number 27 in DVOA run defense. And uh, kind of the opposite, I would say, of the Seahawks. They're the number one booster of run plays per game at 17%. They're also a top five booster of yards per carry and touchdowns per carry. So pretty much all of the, the Colts backs have a chance to have a really nice game. But I'm going to say Taylor is the one that's most valuable for you in fantasy and probably the highest fantasy scorer of the bunch. Okay, let's shift over to wide receivers where uh, a frequent uh, member of, of this discussion, Mike Williams, is up at the top of the list for me. More than a $1,000 surplus in both DraftKings at FanDuel at $4,800 and $5,800 price tags. I mentioned earlier when I was talking about Herbert about how the Patriots have the number 30 DVOA pass defense, something that you might be surprised to hear. I think a lot of that has to do with the, you know, the linebackers they lost as opt-outs and as free agent losses. They just don't have the same personnel that they have last season. Great call by Aaron Schatz to predict that that would be the case. Um, part of it, too, was that Stephon Gilmore missed some time a few weeks ago, and that really kind of put a major dent in their secondary. Obviously, he was the defensive player of the year last season. He's back, and last week did very well, limiting DeAndre Hopkins to just five catches and 55 yards. So I think there's a there's a, a chance here, a likelihood even, that the Patriots have a better defense than their DVOA defense would suggest, but it might be targeted specifically at number one receiver Keenan Allen, who they, I mean, the Patriots and Chargers haven't been a frequent matchup in their careers such that I'm not sure we really know this with any, any definitive proof, but that seems to be the indication that, that uh, Gilmore is going to stick more to Allen. And so to me, he's probably the riskier play than Mike Williams, and Williams may end up being a little bit more valuable than you expect. Uh, uh, that said, Williams' fantasy production kind of relies on his touchdown scoring, and he's had a touchdown shortfall this year relative to his opportunity to just a receiving touchdown total, but he does have 0.08 opportunity adjusted touchdowns per target this season, fifth highest in football among the receivers with 50 or more targets behind just Mike Evans, Adam Thielen, DK Metcalf, and Calvin Ridley. And just kind of as a comparison, those receivers have 11, 11, 9, and 7 touchdowns this season, while Evans is down with four. I think he's been very unlucky to not be closer uh, to being on track for 10. I think he could score multiple touchdowns any given week. Uh, and, and as such, I think he's a really nice play is maybe more of an upside play for you in fantasy. Next up, uh, Brandon Cooks of the Texans. I'm actually going to talk about a few Texans players here at wide receiver and tight end. Uh, in DraftKings, I see Cooks is a 1450 surplus at 5,600 and a 650 surplus at FanDuel at 6,500. 
I mean, you've probably seen it in the news, but the Texans have really lost receivers of late. First, it was Randall Cobb, who was injured. Then they released Kenny Stills, who was probably also injured. But Will Fuller, kind of two days, I think, after after the Stills release, ended up being suspended for the rest of the season for violating the league's performance-enhancing drug policy. And that just doesn't really leave the Texans with a lot of options at the position, especially for a team that has kind of been tight with the rotation of receiving options where there are only like five or maybe six guys they've even thrown passes to this season. Cooks is obviously the number one of those that's still left. He has a 25% target share since week five. That's 12th highest at the position. And he hasn't he hasn't really scored like a top 12 type of wide receiver. He's been more of a wide receiver too in that range. But I'm thinking that with the lack of other options, he could push 30% and be like one of the elite target guys. It's not exactly a skill set match, but what are the Texans going to do, right? And I mean, you have Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball, one of the best quarterbacks in football. So I think that there's a chance that he could really burst out here. And I don't think his price has really changed to reflect the news. In fact, I think Fuller's suspension probably came after his price was set for the week. And so I think Cooks is somebody that you can take advantage of for at least one week, uh, while his, his role may, may exceed what his price indicates. Next up, we have Calvin Ridley, uh, specifically a value in my mind in DraftKings, $200 uh, surplus at 72 I think he's a shortfall in FanDuel where he's expensive at 8400 But I mentioned a little bit about the Saints matchup earlier, hoping that Julio Jones re- returns. If Jones does return, he'll be the one that gets matched up with cornerback Marshawn Lattimore. And the Saints, having that top number one corner, have shown an interesting split where they cut wide receiver one yards per target by about 7%, 20th in football and they increase it uh, for number two receivers by 21%, third highest in football. So I think it's probably a situation where Jones returns, gets a little bit more defensive attention, and may struggle to produce himself, but kind of opens the door for Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley to have really nice fantasy days, maybe in garbage time, but either way, you don't really care as much as a fantasy manager. So I think that's a good opportunity there. And then finally, at receiver, I'll mention Jacoby Myers, a mild surplus at 5,500 and 5,900 in DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, he, in week 11, had a kind of disappointing day, just three catches and 38 yards, but a nice bounce back with 5 and 52 last week, and is still sitting at a 31% target share since week eight, that's fourth highest at the position. That maybe makes it sound like he's a little bit more of an impact wide receiver than he is because, again, the Patriots hardly ever pass the ball. But Myers, I still think, in a PPR type of scoring system, uh, is a really nice value, probably a wide receiver too, given the volume that he's receiving right now. And so I think he's a really nice uh, price in, in, in the DFS platforms this week. Closing this up with tight ends, I'm going to circle back to the Texans like I mentioned earlier. I see Jordan Akins as a really nice surplus in DraftKings where he's only $2,900. He's more expensive than FanDuel at 52 and I see him as kind of a neutral value there. But just trying to kind of sort out who the Texans throw the ball to, Akins has less production than Darren Fells on the season, the team's other tight end, but he's actually missed a few games. And so if I think if you kind of break it out, you can see that Akins is probably the number one tight end. He has 28 targets in eight games versus Fell's 24 targets in 11 games. I'm going to side with him. And, you know, while I think Kiki Cutie is probably like the major beneficiary in terms of increase in targets, when you include pricing and everything, the way the DFS is handling it, maybe Akins is the one that can be a really nice value this week. And given how much of a struggle, I would say it is to find good tight ends in fantasy this season. Aikens is somebody I think you can probably take a risk on if you want to get a less expensive option for you there. Meanwhile, Robert Tanyan, also kind of an inexpensive option, in particular in DraftKings, where he's just 3700 I see him as an $800 surplus there. I think he's a nice value as well. 
I'm guessing that the, the DFS platforms probably had a similar line of thinking that I did, which is that when um, Alan Lazard came back from injury, Tanyan might take a little bit more of a back seat. But that really hasn't been the case the last two weeks. He's played 73% and 58% of the offensive snaps, pretty much in that range of about 50 to 67% that he showed every week from the first half of the season. So I think that you're probably good to go there. I'm more worried about Marcus Valdez-Scantling and, and Alan Lazard kind of eating into each other's target share. Tanyan has a 13% target share since week two, 18th highest among tight ends, and is tied for the lead of the position with seven receiving touchdowns. Uh, he's the number one um, surplus touchdown scorer at tight end, and it's not particularly close. But Aaron Rodgers, obviously a very good quarterback, can probably sustain a little bit of that, such that I think Tanyan is maybe a high-end tight end, too, for the rest of the way. I like him this week at home against the Eagles. They've been a pretty good um, value for, for tight ends. The number three increaser of completion rate and also a pretty significant increaser of about 24% touchdowns per target to the position. And then I'll close this up with another one last tight end, Kyle Rudolph. $800 surplus in DraftKings at $3,400. Also a value in FanDuel at $100, which is a little bit rare given that they tend to price up the tight ends a little bit. Rudolph has had five or more targets and 60 or more yards in weeks 10 and 12 with Irv Smith sidelined with, with his groin injury. Those are the only times all season that he's reached either threshold of five targets or 60 yards. So if Irv Smith misses this game, I think you feel pretty good about it. But even if Smith plays, uh, I'm not sure this is that bad of a matchup for him either at home uh, facing the Jaguars, who I think are probably the number one matchup for tight ends to face. The number two increaser of tight end receiving yards per target at 20%, and number one booster of touchdowns per target to the position at 119%. So a really nice chance that Rudolph, always a great red zone option in his career, scores a touchdown this week, and it makes him a very nice value for you in DFS. Okay, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I urge you to please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platforms. Meanwhile, circle back next Tuesday to hear all of my waiver wire thoughts for week 14 as the fantasy playoffs may be starting for you in a lot of your fantasy leagues. So we'll try to help you out there. Look forward to talking to you then, and have a great weekend. Mm-hmm.